0: And welcome inside to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have head athletic trainer and physical therapist for the Phoenix Mercury. We have Hannah Wengertsman. Hannah, welcome on in.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Chase. I'm excited to be here.
0: All right, Hannah. Um, kind of tell people a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit where you came from, um, what got you into physical therapy in the first place.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up a military brat, so I kind of moved all over the United States and overseas even. Um, throughout middle school, high school, I ended up in Boston for college and I studied athletic training um, in their undergraduate program. I was a long distance runner all through high school and college. um, So that's kind of what first piqued my interest in sports medicine. And I was able to continue that um, through my undergraduate studies and athletic training. And then I stayed at Boston University actually to continue on to PT school. Um, So BU actually had or used to have a six-year program where you could complete athletic training and PT um, direct entry in six years. Unfortunately, that program no longer exists. But I'm very fortunate to have been a part of that.
0: Gotcha. And uh, so, did you know that you know professional sports was kind of always in your future as you were going through athletic training and PT school, or that's kind of something that came along later later on?
1: Yeah, it was always a goal of mine. I knew I wanted to be in team sports, and and pro sports is obviously the ultimate goal. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, it, it worked out this way so early in my career. I'm very fortunate and thankful for that. Um, it was always the goal. And with that in mind, I did try to gear my internships and my clinical rotations towards more sports related environments. Um, and that that really helped propel my, my career into the WNBA.
0: Gotcha. And so after you graduated PT school, kind of tell us a little bit more about your journey. Um I saw that you had a couple of other stops along the way at different um clinics and other places. So kind of tell us a little bit more about those and how those kind of helped, you know, you along your journey into um, professional sports.
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say my journey into pro sports really started um, at Exos, formerly Athlete's Performance. So during my last rotation of PT school, I was placed at the Exos here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, And I worked with a tremendous PT staff. I also, that was really my first immersion into performance training and spending a lot of time with strength and conditioning coaches. Um, I like to tell people that Exos is really the closest you can get to working in pro sports while still being in a clinical setting because you have a multidisciplinary team all under one roof. Um, So after that internship, I ended up staying on full-time with Exos, and I stayed there for two uh, two more years. Um, had a great experience working with pro athletes um, from all all sports, wide range: MLB, NHL, NBA, um, NFL. Um, so it was a really really great experience um, that really p- led to my position with the Phoenix Mercury.
0: Right, um, and so I kind of want to go back even further to your time as a collegiate athlete. Uh, how did your time? you know, being someone that may have experienced physical therapy, uh, kind of inform or kind of like tra- lead you into th- your career? Did that kind of play a huge role? Or was that something that kind of just got you introduced into physical therapy as a profession?
1: Yeah, I think I mean, it dates back to high school. Honestly, um, I was cross country and track runner. So I was running year round. And so obviously, I, I had a fair share of injuries. And that's really how I found my way into the athletic training room to begin with. Um, from there, I found out that my high school offered a sports medicine class, so I got really involved with that. I started volunteering as an athletic training student um, in high school, and that led me um, into my college career and just continued to to grow and learn in that way.
0: Right. Um, and so after, uh, kind of jumping forward again, so after you finish your time, or as Exos, as a student, and then you work there as a, a, you know, full-time PT. Kind of tell us how that led into your journey to now with the Phoenix Mercury.
1: Yeah, um, it was really kind of being right place, right time. The position with the Mercury opened, and I knew that my, um, my end career goal was really to, you know, move into professional sports back into the team setting. As much as I loved Exos, and I'm so grateful for my experience there, there's just something about being a part of a team and being in that athletic training room environment that I really miss from co- the college um, setting, um, so when that opportunity presented itself with the Mercury, um, I honestly applied and, you know, through a few connections who had um, who had my back and supported me through that process, it was a really smooth transition.
0: Right. And so you've worked in kind of the three major like aspects of sports PT, you know, college, pro and, you know, working in the clinic. And you said, you know, obviously Exos is a pretty high-level sports performance center, so it's the closest thing you can do to pro sports without actually being in pro sports. So what are some things, some similarities obviously between the three and then the differences between college, outpatient and professional sports that you've noticed?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, first of all, similarities. I would say, um, like I kind of referenced earlier, EXOS has a huge multidisciplinary team. So you're working with PTs, athletic trainers, strength coaches, dietitians, um, you whole, have the whole gamut of resources there. That's very similar to what you experience in college or pro sports. Um, and so with that comes... You know, working together as a team and the, the communication that it takes to manage athletes amongst all these different professions, and so I think that experience working with um, working with a team really prepared me for the role I'm in now because I had some of that experience. Um, the main differences, I would really say, um, really boil down to the travel, right? So the travel adds a huge component to um, what what your responsibilities are. That takes a huge toll on your work-life balance. Um, so that's that's definitely a challenge and a difference. And then I think also you just get less repetition in, in the team setting, right? So our roster is made up of uh, 12 players at the most, right? So at any given time, maybe there's one or two, uh, three players who are injured or, you know, have some sort of ailment that we're working on, whereas in the clinical setting, you're seeing, you know, 10 to 12, maybe even 15 patients a day. So you just get a lot more repetition in the clinic. Um, And I think that also was great preparation for me working at Exos, getting a lot of reps, especially right out of PT school, um, to get comfortable with my decision-making, my return to play um, programming. Um, I don't think I could have jumped right from PT school into pro sports without that experience to just get more reps under my belt.
0: Right. Um, so as you've like worked in sports PT for a while now, especially at the professional level, um, something that we've talked to when talking to other professional sports PTs, they say uh, they talk about like athlete buy-in. You know, you are dealing with people that have been around sports medicine professionals their whole lives. And some, I'm sure they've had good ones and some bad ones. So how do you kind of build that, that buy-in with somebody that you're just meeting? Let's say it's a person that has just arrived on the team or someone that you've just met. How do you kind of build that buy-in and make sure they can trust, they can entrust their care to you?
1: Yeah, that's huge. Um, I think it honestly boils down to relationships and trust. So First things first, when a new athlete comes in, I try to get to know them on a personal level, find out what makes them tick, find out what motivates them, ask about their friends and family. Um, Once you have a solid relationship um, and you establish that trust with an athlete, then it's easier to slowly influence influence them and give them little tidbits um, of things that you want them to do. And then I think the second piece is just um, to not overwhelm them with information, right? Once you know the athlete, you understand um, what makes them tick, you know how to approach them, and, and maybe you can drastically change everything about what one player is doing from their diet to their strength training to their sleep habits. But for another athlete, that may not work, and you may need to just try and change one thing at a time. Um, so I think just getting to know the athlete and relationships and forming trust is really the basis of creating that buy-in.
0: Right. And so, you know, once you've created that buy-in and you're working with other professionals on the team, whether, whether it's other athletic trainers, other PTs, like you've talked about when you were at Exos, strength coaches, nutritionists, um, dietitians, um, whoever it may be, how do you kind of make sure that you guys are all on the same page and that your message is unified in one when you're talking to that particular athlete?
1: Yeah, I think that's really so important. I think um, we we want to have a huge team to support these athletes, but with a bigger team um, comes the the difficulty with communication. So finding clear, consistent communication amongst the team of professionals, to the players, to the front office, to everyone that needs to know that information. So um, little things that we do, we have a, a quick daily meeting every morning um, right before the the training room opens, myself, our strength and conditioning coach, our dietitian, um, our equipment manager, even anyone who needs to know what's going on that day. We quickly meet for 10 minutes, run down the roster, any pertinent updates, um, rehabs for the day, what everything looks like. And I think that's been really helpful to um, daily planning. Um, And then just having clear streamlined um, approach to communication. So say an injury happens, knowing what that chain of communication looks like, who's going to communicate with the team position. Okay. Now who's going to pass that information along to, um, to the player, who's going to talk to the front office. And then how do we um, deliver this to the media as well? That's a huge thing that I didn't have experience with um, before coming to the Mercury is you have to deal um, with the media too. And how do you portray um, an injury that just happened. What do you, what do you, how much information do you give them? Um, so I think just having clear roles and responsibilities when it comes down to communication of who's going to handle what and how we're all going to to work together to deliver the message is super important.
0: Right. Kind of diving a little bit deeper into that. How does your, your tone or your, your verbiage change when you're talking, let's say a player gets injured when you're discussing their injury with them versus when you're talking to someone in the front office or someone in the media, how does your verbiage and uh, I guess your message change or stay the same between those different um, parties of interest?
1: Yeah, totally. I think um, it, it totally depends on the person and who you're talking to with a player. Um, you're going to give them all the information. You're going to give them um, results of their evaluation, their imaging. You're going to talk through all the different treatment options. If they want a second opinion, you're going to do that. You're really going to give them all the information that you can to help them make um, a sound decision. And then with um, coaches in front office, the main things that they care about are um, how long is this athlete out? When are they going to be back? So I always try to ha- when I go to talk to a coach about an injury, I always try to have some sort of timeline in mind, knowing that that may not um, be exactly what's going to happen. But having a rough idea, um, that's super important because. That's the information that matters most to them. And then with the media, you just want to be careful to um, give them just enough information to kind of satisfy requirements without giving them too much. So I always work with um, our communications manager to kind of come up with the right verbiage there. Um, But we don't necessarily want the public to know every little detail that we might share with a player.
0: Right, because usually, you know, when you were working at Excess, I'm sure most of the interested parties are just the athlete, maybe family and, um, some other interested parties, but talking to the media is a whole different ball game because one, you have to make sure you protect the patient and the athletes, you know, HIPAA, you know, you don't violate HIPAA or anything, but you also have to, you have to, it's part of like their obligation to get kind of what's knowing going on with these athletes. So that's i I'm sure a tricky balance that you've, you know, have learned to deal with now. Um, so now that you've been working in sports for quite a while after even dating back to your time in PT school, um what are some essentials or some essential characteristics of a good sports PT to you? Somebody um that you admire uh some something that stands out about them.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think you obviously have to have the skills, right? You you have to have the skill set. You have to be knowledgeable um in terms of your basic orthopedic examination skills. Um return to play is huge. You need to have a good understanding of performance training um so that's first and foremost you have to have the skills and experience i think second of all you need to be adaptable and resourceful our our schedule is changing every day um we're we're constantly presented with new environments new situations where we have to adapt on the fly maybe we're at a hotel on a road trip where the weight room doesn't have a piece of equipment we need you know we have to make make adjustments so that's super important. And then thirdly, I think just being a team player and communicator, like we talked about earlier, um, you, you're one part of a huge team. Um, so you have to be able to communicate, um, hear others, trust them and, and just be able to work together.
0: Right. So I kind of want to go back to your point about being flexible. Um, I'm sure this varies person to person, job to job, organization to organization, but how do you kind of balance, um, all the travel and the long hours with your family life. I'm like, I'm, you don't have to give super personal details, but how do you kind of make sure that you are, you know, keeping yourself sane, but also making sure you take care the best care of all these athletes?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's so important. And that's something that I've honestly struggled with. I think, um, with my transition into pro sports, my first two years, I really struggled with that because I felt like there was always something that I should be doing. So even when I left work for the day, I would come home and be answering emails or looking something up or, you know, um, just always finding something to do because I felt like that's what I needed to do. Um, And over time I realized like, I I need to have better work-life balance. So now I try and set better boundaries for myself. Um, If it's a task or an email that can wait until tomorrow, then I will wait until tomorrow, um, understanding that some things are gonna come up that are urgent. Um, but really, just trying to take advantage of an off day when we're in season, um, shutting down, spending time with my family and friends, um, and then during the off season is really the time to recuperate, recover, um, go to those family events that you you n- miss out on during the summer. Um, so I really take advantage of the off season too to kind of play catch up on the the personal life matters.
0: Right, um, and so I want to also discuss another one of the skills or characteristics that you talked about, like just the general set. Um, how do you, or how do you continue to work on improving your like return to sport, um, criteria, making sure that you are kind of up to date on the most recent evidence that are kind of make sure that you're taking the best possible care of your athletes that you can.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question because it's hard to keep up with the evidence, especially when, um, you're so busy in season. I think one thing that's worked really well for me is just uh, the growing amount of information on social media, following other clinicians, um, practitioners, and um, just seeing what they're posting about and seeing links to, to certain studies. Um, I think that's what's been most helpful for me and most um, sustainable. And then I'm also lucky um, in my current role to be so closely partnered with the Phoenix Suns. Um, our WNBA and NBA team are are all under one roof here in Phoenix, so I have access to all the same resources as the Suns, the and spend a lot of time during my off season um, with their staff, learning from them, seeing how they do things. Okay, how can I go and implement this with my team? Um, so that's been really helpful too.
0: Right. Um, so now that you've been with the Suns for a while now, kind of walk us through the day in the life of what it's like to be you as the head AT and PT for the Phoenix Mercury.
1: Yeah, for sure. So. Um, let's say for a practice day, um, usually coming in around seven, 8 AM, I usually try and catch a workout, um, before works get started. We'll have our little staff meeting for about 10, 15 minutes, and then players will start to roll in usually about t- two hours before practice starts. I'm, uh, usually hanging out in the training room and, um, doing any pre-practice treatments, rehabs um, that players may need, or if something popped up f- from yesterday that they need me to check out from there, they tend to kind of flow into the weight room and we'll get a lift in before practice. Some players will get extra skill work done on court. Um, and then during practice, we're really on court, just watching the players, evaluating their movement, watching for injuries, um, evaluating the length and intensity of practice to give coach recommendations. And then post practice um, similar setup. Some players may go into the weight room to get a lift. Other players will come back into the training room, um, for treatment. And then hopefully we're out of there by mid afternoon. A game day is a little bit different. Um, we'll usually have a morning shoot around, which is, um, a light practice, more of a walkthrough to prepare for the game. And then midday, we have a couple hours off, um, just to go home, nap, run errands, whatever you need to do, and then come back um, around three o'clock if it's a 7 p.m. game. Um, and those are long days. So probably not uh, getting home until 11 o'clock. Um, but it's all fun. And then, you know, there's there's also the extra admin work, um, you know, dealing with insurance and, and bills and documentation, um, COVID testing. There's a bunch of other things that go into the job that's um, not just the day-to-day care of athletes. So I try and just fit that in wherever I can.
0: Right. Um, so now that you've been with the Mercury for about two years, do you have any favorite memories or anything that stands out in particular um, about your time with them?
1: Yeah, there's a few that stand out. Um, I guess the biggest one was the whole season of 2020. So that was my first year in the WNBA, and that was obviously when <laughs> COVID first started. Um, So as soon as I was hired, I found out that I was going to be moving to Bradenton, Florida for three months because we were going to enter the WNBA bubble. Um, And I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but it turned out to be a really great experience. Um, And I'm so thankful that that was my first season in the league because not only did I get super close with the players and staff on my own team, but I also had um, all the athletic trainers and other staff members of all the other teams. Um right on campus with me. So they were a great resource as questions came up. Um, And I really formed great relationships with staffs on other teams, um, which continues to be a great resource for me moving forward when questions come up or we want to, you know, run thoughts by each other. So although um, 2020 was an interesting year, I'm very thankful for that experience.
0: Well, I think if you can get through your first year on the job being through a uh, a once-in-a-lifetime basketball bubble i think you can basically survive anything else so i think that's a pretty cool way to start your career in professional sports well, that's um, what i
1: tell myself and so, <laughs>
0: and so one thing i want to do like not pt related but i want to give time to that i think is super important i think the wnba is super underappreciated we have we've had um, one other wnp w nba pt on uh, we had michelle from the las vegas aces um and i know they just won again so give us, give us like a little spiel or your soapbox on kind of how WNBA athletes are, you know, should be appreciated as the professional athletes they are.
1: Yeah. I love to talk about this. Um, I'm a huge proponent of women's sports and I love the WNBA. Um, we just finished the 26th season. So mm-hmm. in comparison to the NBA, which has been around for over 75 years now, it's a really, really young league and the growth that, Tremendous growth, even over the last few years that I've been involved, um, is incredible. There's more and more people watching, um, more and more games on national TV, more people are investing, which is going to continue to keep pushing the WNBA forward. Um, So I'm really excited about the future of the league. Um, I think that it's going to continue to grow, not only in size, but um, I think it's going to really parallel the NBA one day. And I'm excited about that future.
0: Yeah, I think um, especially making sure that women's sports get – I mean the U.S. women's national team is currently, you know, reaping the benefits of being collectively bargained with U.S. men's national team for soccer. So I think, you know, having the respect given to professional women's sports is uh, super important. So I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about that a little bit. Um, And so last question for you, Hannah. Uh, Do you have any advice for anybody that wants to get into professional sports um, at any sort – or, you know, sports in general, whether it's in the college level – outpatient level kind of like you were at with Exos or you know professional sports like you're in now.
1: Yeah, two things I would say. Um the first being spend time with strength and conditioning coaches. Um that really will improve your ability to program late stage rehab, return to play um because we, we haven't talked about it, but the, the continuum between rehab and performance is is really a continuum. There's no line there. So the more you can understand what a strength coach does and how they get an athlete back to their optimal performance, um, the better PT you will be. And I think spending time with strength coaches early in my career is really what helped me gain that knowledge and um, skill set to be able to work in pro sports. And then second, just be um, eager to seek out any opportunities, whether it's an internship or volunteering, you have to get your foot in the door somehow. Um, so even if it's not you know, the highest paying job, or the most glamorous. Um, You've got to get your foot in the door and make an impression and then the opportunities will come.
0: Perfect. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Uh, You know, Great piece of advice that hopefully everyone can take home with them. Um, Hannah, this has been great. Uh, Thank you for agreeing to come on to the podcast. Do you have anything that you would like to plug before you get you out of here?
1: Well, you already touched on what I was going to say. So everyone go watch the WNBA.
0: All right, perfect. Um, And with that being said, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Huge thank you to Hannah Wengertsman from the Phoenix Mercury, the head athletic trainer and physical therapist for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. If you liked what Hannah said or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.